Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 373 for the 6th of Kislev in Alipir. Do you ever think about how frail we are as human beings that we need food in order to live? It's something we kind of take for granted. We don't really think about it because we all do that. But think about it. It's like this is something that we are constantly at the mercy of. Yes, intermittent fasting is very popular nowadays and people sometimes go on prolonged fasts. But essentially, even if a person fasts for, I don't know, 40 days or whatever it is, at some point or another, they're going to need food to live. So why is this? Why is this spiritually thinking? Because haven't we learned previously, and isn't it kind of like just like commonsensical that in the spiritual realms, uh, spiritually speaking, man is higher than plant life, than vegetative life, from animal life, from all of these things that we we get our sustenance from, but yet we are so totally and utterly dependent on these things. So we actually spoke about this in earlier parts of the Tanya, if you recall, about this idea that, you know, the higher something source, the lower it falls and all of that. And we're going to get into that a little bit more today. Um, and in reference to mitzvahs and why mitzvahs are so powerful and are so essential to our purpose down here. Because on first thought, it's not so obvious, right? Because souls are very spiritual. And as we've spoken about in the past, people tend to make the mistake in equating spirituality with godliness, when we've already spoken about how these are not one and the same. But nevertheless, we can understand this, this reasoning, because, you know, there is something to be said about um, being in a very spiritual state where you're not a slave to your physical needs. You know, we think about Yom Kippur, for example, as being, um, you know, the holiest day of the year when we're, we don't eat, we don't drink, we don't engage in marital relations. We really divest ourselves of anything physical and we liken ourselves to angels and like what could be higher than an angel, right? So this is, this it, we, we, we definitely see a certain glorification of spirituality, in the context of Judaism. On the other hand, we know that Yom Kippur is really just one day out of the year and that most of Judaism actually involves very physical things. You know, think about Shabbos. We eat, we, uh, we do Kiddush, we drink wine, we, uh, we light Shabbos candles. These are all very physical things that we do. So what's this all about? So we're going to delve into this today and we're going to delve into it from a few different perspectives. And we're going to discuss why doing, doing mitzvahs is ultimately God's purpose of creation and uh, and and again focusing on why the performance of mitzvahs is far superior than just having um, lofty intentions and and developing a, a sense of love and fear of God even though we don't want to dismiss those things again and it's very nice to develop a very strong sense of love and fear of God in our souls but nevertheless these cannot replace the actual performance of the mitzvahs so 
Today's Tanya is actually kind of divided into two different sections, answering this question from two different angles. The first angle is going to be discussing the spiritual root of Jewish souls versus the spiritual root of the physical world, which weirdly enough, perhaps paradoxically enough, and there's many discussions in Hasidus about how this works, the, the spiritual root source of the physical world is actually higher than the spiritual root so source of our souls. How can this be? Well, if you've been following along and you've heard my discussion about the shattering of the vessels, this whole idea that Hashem, in the beginning, he manifested his energies in such, par such a powerful way that they couldn't coexist with each other and there was just chaos. And then from that chaos, there was this shattering of the vessels that ultimately turned into a certain level of re rectification. So our souls actually come from that rectified place. Our souls are pure, they're rectified, they're, they're perfect in their source. The world in which we live in, however, is not. The world in which we live in is chaotic, as we can see pretty much on a daily basis. Uh, you know, read the news, look around you. You know, it's a pretty chaotic world. And in fact, this chaos, actually, the source of it is in a very lofty chaos. It's in the chaos above, high up in the world, which, which that level of chaos actually comes from a place that's higher than the level of rectification. In Hebrew, we call these terms tohu, which is chaos, and tikkun, which is order. So while Tikkun is definitely the place that we want to be in, the world we want to reside in, the, the place that our souls feel good in, you know, is this rectified, we like to live in a clean house, so to speak. Nevertheless, in its source root, the world of Tohu actually is higher, which means that here in this physical reality are trapped fallen sparks that come from this very, very high place. And our job as Jews is to go and and redeem these sparks. As we, we've spoken about this in Tanya previously, that when we use physicality, physical objects, which are the, uh, stemming from this world of chaos, we actually are able to uh, rectify these sparks and elevate them back to their source and to metakin them, to rectify them so that now the chaos has become order, which is what the whole purpose of creation is. This is why God sent our souls down here into this world in order to accomplish this, this specific mission. The second part of today's Tanya gets a little bit more complicated in terms of speaking about the way that God's wisdom becomes manifest down here in this world uh, in order to create the world and how that happens specifically and how it needs to happen specifically through vessels, through the power of vessels. We know in, in Kabbalah, there's the idea of light and vessel. And we're going to talk about how vessels have an advantage over light in two ways, even though vessels technically on a, are on a lower level than light. On the other hand, light serves as a radiance, whereas the vessel contains the essence of something. One way to think about this is like, let's say you have a, a glass cup in a, in, a, in a very, very dark room. And the room is so dark that you can't see the cup. But then you take a light and you, light a sh a, you shine a light, let's say a colored light, let's say a red light into that cup. So then all of a sudden you can see the cup. However, what is more the essence of the cup? Is it the light that you're seeing? Well, the light looks very fancy and it looks very like, you know, interesting and all that, that that's what's giving you the ability to see the cup. But the, the vessel of the cup itself is more essentially what the cup is, even though you don't actually see it without the light, right? The other, so that's, that's power number one of, of what a vessel has. The second power that a vessel has that, uh, that is missing with the light is that the vessel has the power to create. So 
just like, you know, again, let's keep talking about cups. So, you know, you need actual tools in order to create cups. You can have ideas and designs in your head of what different kind of cups should look like. But unless you actually go out there and you actually um, create the cup using tools, using physical objects, you'll, you won't have a cup. A much bigger example of light and vessel that is an analogy that the altar is going to bring up is in terms of the birth of a child and the connection that the father has to their son or daughter. Uh, and so, and how the light in this case can be considered to be the father in terms of his personalities, his intellect, his emotions, all of these different things that, you know, when you think about this person, this is, this is what you would call them. And their, however, their vessel is actually, believe it or not, the sperm of the father. And so when you think about the connection that the father has to the son, even though, yes, people take after their parents in all kinds of different ways in terms of personality types and, and uh, intellect and all kinds of things like that, but essentially the essence of who this child is, it, it all came from that sperm. The sperm, the vessel, was the, it, 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 it contained within it the entire essence of the father, which allowed the son to, uh, to be created. And it's specifically the sperm that has this power of creation and not the uh, other aspects of the father. The father could be the smartest man in the world, the most eloquent, articulate man in the world. But just by speaking, that's not going to bring a child into existence. There has to be a sperm that fertilizes with, the, with an egg, right? That brings about the birth of a child. And all of this is to be taken as an analogy for our relationship with God, because we often are likened to the children of God and how when it comes to our relationship with God, the level of light relationship with God is in terms of our, uh, our feelings of love and fear and, you know, our intellectual contemplations and meditations and intentions with God and everything like that. And the level of our connection with God on a vessel level is in a more physical way in terms of the physical mitzvahs. So today, the focus of the Tanya is going to be um, extolling the virtue of mitzvahs in these three aspects. Aspect number one, as we mentioned, the the physical physical physicality, the physical objects in the world through which we perform mitzvahs actually have a higher source than our souls, which is what we tap into when we do these mitzvahs. Two, our emotions and thoughts of love and fear of God can only take us so far. These only attach us to the radiance of God. Whereas if we really want to tap into the essence of God, we need to do this through the mitzvahs because the mitzvahs are the vessel by which God made us access him accessible to us. And thirdly, on a related note, our love and fear can only take us so far. And our love and fear is uh, of God is because it's likened to this more radiance kind of light level. Um, it can't actually accomplish anything in a tangible physical way, the way that physical mitzvahs can by virtue of them being vessels. So it's a lot today. And as, as I've mentioned before, we are in the most difficult section of the Tanya. This is known as the Kuntras Ahran, the final essays of the Kuntras Ahran. And we're in the middle of essay four. So bear with me. I am learning together with you for this particular section. It actually took me quite a while, longer than than usual. I usually spend an hour and a half per day on these podcast episodes. And this one took a little bit longer, actually. Um, really, there were a lot of intricate details that I tried to understand um, with the help of some friends. And so this is what I have for you. This is, I'm giving it over to the best of my ability. So if I, there are any mistakes here, then the mistakes are my own and I take full responsibility for that, but we'll learn this together. It's really, this is one of those moments where I'm just very grateful for doing the podcast because it's forcing me to learn the Tanya in a way that I 
never have in the past really delving into these things. And if I'm teaching this to you guys, I really, I'm trying to understand it to the best of my ability, you know? So, all right. So, okay. So the, so the first part, we're start off this first part of, uh, of today's Tanya where the altar of talks about this idea of the level of the level of the soul versus the level of physical objects by which we, through which we perform mitzvahs. So the altar of begins and he, and he discusses how truly the 288 sparks which become purified in the worlds of Bria, Itzir, and Asiya through our Torah and mitzvahs, when we perform Torah and mitzvahs in thought, speech, and action, the, the, sor- the, the source of these sparks is higher than our nefesh, ruach, and neshama, our, our, the levels of our soul, these three lower levels of our soul. So what does this mean when we talk about these different s- sources? So... Um, a little tangent here, which I don't want to get too caught up in the weeds, but we know that God's essential name, the loftiest name of God, is the Yudke Vavke, the Tetragrammaton, right? Which we don't even say because it's so lofty. It's how we refer to God as Hashem. We say the name. Now, this name, this Yudke Vavke, is not so simple. It, it's only four letters, but yet in Kabbalah, there are different ways that you can spell out these letters in a more like prolonged way, where you can say like like where basically it's like you t- take each one of those letters, like the Yud. So when you spell it Yud in Hebrew, then it's Yud uh, it's Yud Vav Dalid is like the complete way to like, like that's how you spell the letter yud right then you have the hey right but how do you spell hey do you spell hey hey yud or do you spell hey hey aleph so there are different uh, renditions of this and so there's different ways that you can spell out this name yud kevavke in a very lengthy kind of way and when we do this then we'll have all these different spellings of god's name out and it turns out that there are four ways to spell out God's name in Kabbalah in this more lengthy way. Now we know that everything in Kabbalah, there's this idea of gematria, of numerical value. Everything has a numerical equivalent. Numbers have, uh, letters have numerical equivalents to them. So what the Kabbalists do then is that they take all of these different spellings of God's name in the more lengthy format and they, uh, they figured out the gematria, the numerical equivalent of all of these, and they came up with four names of God, which we know of, and each one corresponds to a different spiritual level. These different names are Av, Sag, Ma, and Ban. Okay, so for the purposes of our discussion today, we're actually only going to be looking at the 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 love the names Sag and Ma, which are two different two of those four letters. And what the Ultra explains is that this level of Sag comes from the inner aspect of Adam Kadmon, whereas the level of the name of Ma comes from the forehead of Adam Kadmon, which what's the difference? So the inner part of Adam Kadmon is sort of like the internal aspect. The forehead is the more external aspect. So it's a little bit lower. It's more about the radiance as opposed to more of the innerness. And so interestingly, um, interesting thing to know is actually the physical world, physical objects through which we do mitzvahs, the 288 fallen sparks, they actually come from the level of sag, which is this higher level of the inner part of Adam Kadmon, whereas our souls come from the level of ma, which is lower, which is the forehead level. And the altar Rabbi says that there's an allusion to this idea in Breshi's chapter 36, verse 31, where it says, Lifneim loch melech hule, which, uh, which means before a king ruled over the children of Israel. So what the altar is saying is this is an allusion to the fact that uh, that there's something that as much as the souls of Israel are very lofty, they come from the level of 
of ma, but actually there's a level that's higher than that. That's the level of sag. And as I explained in the introduction, another way to think about these two levels of sag and ma is that sag is the level of tohu. Sag is the level of chaos, which yes, it's loftier, but it's chaotic. It's, it couldn't subsist on its own, hence the shattering of the vessels. Versus ma is the level of tikkun. It's the level of rectification. This is our souls, which are in a very rectified state that don't need to be rectified in any way. And this is how it works, that we actually rectify food when we eat it, when we eat, when we, when we um, consume things from the domain and high level of, of creation, the inanimate, the vegetative, and the uh, and the um, and the animal level of creation, what we're doing is we're rectifying them. And the way that we're able to do this is because we come from this level of ma, which is all about rectification. Whereas these lower beings, these domem, somech, and chai, they come from sag. And so we are rectifying the chaos basically when we eat. So that's reason number one that the ultra gives why we need to perform physical mitzvahs is because through performing p physical mitzvahs, we're, uh, we're rectifying the physicality. We're using our power of rectification, which is the source of our souls, to rectify the chaos that's found in, in the physical world within physical things. Okay. Now the Altarba gets into the second reason for the mitzvahs. What's the second reason for the mitzvahs? Because there is this, there's this concept that we don't see God's face. We, our experience of God is very limited. We've brought this up previously, and here the Altar Rebbe brings a, a, a citation from Shemot chapter 30, verse 23, where it says, You shall not, my face shall not be seen. So uh, what does this mean? So we've already spoken about this previously, that in Hasidus and Kabbalah, we talk about the face as panim, which is an allusion to panimius, which is an allusion to the inner aspect, which means that we can't access the inner aspects of God directly. What we do access is we access God's external aspect in a way of achoraim, it's called in Hebrew, the chitzoniot and achoraim, the, out back, the back part of God. What is this? This is the, uh, th this manifests as the novelot chokhmah ilah. This is the, um, the, the drippings of the supernal wisdom. So what we're experiencing of God or what we're able to ac access in terms of God's chokhmah is really just like a seminal drop that's coming down from him. But lest this depress us and bring us down, we should realize that, and now the ultra gets into this, the power of this seminal drop. What, what, what is so powerful specifically about this external level? Because we know that speech, even speaking words of chokhmah, uh, don't, doesn't create anything. Whereas a seminal drop does, the seminal drop does have the power to create. And this is what creates all of creation. When we talk about the, the idea of creation ex nihilo, the way that this is happening, we've spoken about this before, that, that uh, it all comes from Hashem's Chochmah, but how does it manifest through Hashem's Chochmah? Is through the seminal drop. And this seminal drop actually transmits the essence of the su superior Chochmah, of the supernal Chochmah. How does it do this? Because it contains within it the essence of the supernal Chochmah, which is not the case with speech and thought even a very high and lofty kind of thought. Um, we know that this wisdom, this kind of more intellectual type of wisdom is merely just a radiance and it just serves as, um, as a reflection for the essence of, of, uh, of the mind. So it's like if a person thinks, like you can think all kinds of things and does any particular thought that you have um, manifest your brain 
fully? No, it doesn't. You know, yes, it's coming out of your brain and it's a radiance out of your brain, but it's not the brain itself. And the brain itself is really just a vestment for your soul. Your brain, your mind is really, it's not your soul. It's just a vestment for your soul. Whereas when we think about a seminal drop, this seminal drop actually does contain the essence of the soul. So like if you think about the fact, like if you think about yourself, you know, so you think about you have a certain thought. Does that, is that thought you? Does that thought contain the essence of you? No, that thought is coming out of your brain. That's the source of where it comes from, but it's not your brain. It's not, uh, it's not you. It's, it's just coming out of your brain. And what about your brain? What about your mind? Is that you? No, even though it might seem like it's you, it might feel like it's you, like the, I think therefore I am. It's not actually you. It's just the way that your soul becomes, it's a, your, your mind is, is a vehicle, is a vessel for your soul to become vested within your body. Um, so what is you, what are you, if you wanted to say, what are, what is your source? You know, physically speaking, what is your source? Your source really, it sounds weird, but really is the sperm of your father, which is why if you are a man, you, your sperm has the ability to create life and contains within it the, the essence of your child to be born. And by virtue of this reasoning, we can now come to understand the difference between the service of angels versus the service of souls, of Jewish souls, because um, because the service of angels is totally spiritual in nature. It's not, they don't have this ability to procreate. Like they are just, you know, very spiritual kind of beings. So this, thus their service of God is likened to a kiss. So it's like when God created the angels, this was like he didn't create them out of, you know, the 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 seminal drop that we're talking about, this Nevelos Chochma, he created them more out of like a radiance, like more out of like, you know, his thoughts. We can kind of think about it. Or on some level there in terms of some kind of radiance versus when we talk about our souls, our souls actually do come this, this, uh, the vessel level, which the vessel level is more this level of the, it's, it's the vessel is more likened to, it contains within it the essence. It, it is likened to that seminal drop. So the key point to take away from here is that there's something about the souls, our, us, our Jewish souls, which are essentially connected to God's essence by virtue of the facts that we come, our source is in the vessels. So the question then comes up, the question that's sort of like implied here is that if our souls come from vessels, then why do we have to do mitzvahs? Because one of the, the uh, virtues of the mitzvahs, as we, we've learned about, is that they're connected with vessels. They're connected with this level of vessel and um and so this is how we connect to God through through his essence, through vessels. But if we're saying that the souls come from vessels, then why do we have to actually do mitzvahs, do physical mitzvahs? Wouldn't it be enough for us just to exist and be like, here we are, we are Jews, we are coming from vessels. And so we are manifesting God's essence down here, manifesting the essence of Hashem's Chochmah down here. So the reason why it's not so simple, says the Altar Rebbe, is because the vessels of Atsilas become the souls of the lower worlds, the, the souls of the, the worlds of Bria, Yitzhira, and Asiya. And if you've been following along in the Tanya, uh, it's sort of like a pop quiz question, but what happens in the worlds of Bria, Yitzhira, and Asiya? This is a level of intellectual and emotional connection to God, emotional and intellectual love and fear of God. So thus, when we serve God on this level of loving God and fearing God and meditating upon God and connecting to God on that level, then we are liked, even if it's coming from this place of like a very high intellectually based love and fear of God, which is like on the level of Bria, we're connecting to God like angels connect to God, which is like a kiss. We're kissing God because we're connecting to this radiance that's coming forth 
into the Briates here in Asia, that the origin of it, yes, is in the Kalium of Atsilus, but the but the way that it is manifest is in the Urus, in the light of Briates here in Asia. So when we connect to God uh, on the level of intention, on the level of love and fear, we're connecting to God in terms of uh, like a kiss. We're connecting to him on a radiance level. But if we really want to tap into the inner aspect of God, if we really want to tap into the essence of God, uh, which is likened to the, the seminal drop, we need to do this through vessels, which specifically the vessels are the, the mitzvah, the mitzvahs that we do with physicality down here. Uh, as it says, because we, do, we can't see God's interface. So it's like the only way we can connect to God, kind of like paradoxically, is through the outer vessels, which are the physical, the physical world. So that's the end of the section today. So I know it's a lot. And believe me, I still have questions on this section. There's so much more to explore. Hopefully this will just like whet your appetite to explore further and learn these concepts in more detail. But just to sum it up very briefly, the basic idea is that it's really important to do physical mitzvahs and physical mitzvahs are really essential. And we discussed why from two aspects today. Aspect number one is because the physical objects which by which we perform mitzvahs come from a higher place than our souls. And so, uh, but in order to redeem these higher sparks out of their chaotic state and into a more rectified state, they need us. They need us to actually do mitzvahs with them, which rectifies them. And then the other aspect, the other reason why doing mitzvahs is so powerful and so important is because if we just connect to God on a level of intention and love and fear emotionally, intellectually, and all of that alone, we're only connecting to God in a more radiant kind of way in terms of God's radiance. If we want to connect to God in terms of God, the essence of God and the essence of uh, it connects to God's the essence of God's supernal chokhmah, supernal wisdom. We need to do it with physicality, because really physicality, really the vessels, uh, which is a way that we can understand physicality, is the only way that it's the only tool that can allow us to connect to the essence of something. The way that we see, just like with uh, with the birth of a child, that the the thoughts of 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 a man. The emotions of a man, the the speech of a man, these can't create a child. The only thing that can create the child is actually the seminal drop, the like sort of external manifestation that flows out from the man. That's what specifically has the power of creation. So, so too, it's specifically the physical mitzvahs that connect us to God in a much more essential way than just our intellectual um, connection to God, which is more likened to kissing God instead of having like an actual like union with God. So that is it for today. And we will continue along these lines tomorrow. I hope um, tomorrow's episode, it takes me a little bit shorter to <laughs> prepare for, but I guess this is good practice for this next round that we're going to be doing. So stick with it and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow. And until then, have a great day.